Why is it that with sparkling water, I'm always playing guessing games with what flavor I'm drinking? Is it citrus? Is it aluminum can flavored? Mm, not sure. Sparkling ice, though, they really mean flavor. Like in-your-face flavor. Orange mango, black raspberry. Don't even get me started on the strawberry lemonade. Kiwi Strawberry slid right into my taste buds DMs last night and let them know who's boss. No subtleties there and no sugar either. But it does have vitamins and antioxidants. Find sparkling ice at a major grocery store or club retailer near you. Sparkling ice. Anything but subtle. What does motion sound like? With Kizik Hands Free Shoes, it sounds a little something like this. Experience the magic of motion. Get a free pair of socks with your first order at kizik.com socks. Live from everywhere USA, it's Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. Oh, would you look who came to work today? Wow, what a day. Where the hell is this guy? Coming to you live from the greatest country in the world, broadcasting from the tippy top of the world-famous Fox News headquarters in New York City. It is Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon fired up on a Tuesday because it is launch day for my brand new book. Not that you tuned in for the literary ramblings of a community college sort of student who majored in Super Mario Brothers, but it's a big deal to me, damn it, and we'll get into it at some point, but we've got a stacked deck in terms of news and politics and everything in between, because I don't know if you heard, but the country is literally on fire. Biden sucks. It's a mess, but we're going to clean it up in the next three hours. Battle and Bill Hemmer is coming by. He is the co-host of America's Newsroom. Uh, He will be here to class up the joint. Uh, We're also going to have a grown-up talk with Brian Brenberg, uh, co-host of The Big Money Show on the Fox Business Network, to walk us through the economy and make sure everybody has some leftover book money so they can go to foxnewsbooks.com and buy a new copy of my book, Cancel Culture Dictionary, on sale everywhere today. (laughs) 9910. The phone number if you want to be a part of the show. It's also the phone number if you've read a few chapters of the book and you'd like to give an honest review to my writing. What would you do with a brain if you had one? Hey, hey, I didn't say the thing was good. I just said buy it. <laughs> oh, I'm kidding. Uh, I'm fired up today. It's a big day for me. It's a big day for our moment because I'm one of these idiots who cares. You know, a lot of people who find themselves in my position are like, wow, I got a TV show. I got a radio show. Where's the checkbook? My hobbies are fast cars and fast women. Thankfully, I went through those hobbies before I got my hands on this checkbook. So I'm just sitting around teeming with gratitude, wondering how I can use this incredible platform to help the rest of the world. And to that point, as we get onto the air today, Forbes magazine, Forbes magazine has just done a phenomenal write up about this show and my Saturday night TV show. And my goal to actually help the world by doing comedy that everyone can laugh at regardless of what political party they vote for. Can you dig it? Can you dig it? Can you dig it? The point is, it's working, you guys. Like, it's act our thing. 
Not me, like, oh, Jimmy Fallon, a host of the show. Who cares? Do you know what I was doing 10 years ago when I had no money and I was a cab driver? I was going home and I was hanging out with Jenny and Lincoln. Do you know what I do now when I get done with 800 TV appearances, two Times Square billboards, a best-selling book, with your help, wink, wink, nudge, nudge? Uh, I go home and I hang out with Jenny and Lincoln. My life is the same. I'm trying to improve everyone else's along the way because I hate the way politics are distilled in this day and age. And I would tell you that I hate the way late night comedy is distilled. But if you're watching a lot of late night comedy, you know I'm being generous in describing it as comedy. I think he's got a point. Okay, it is all activism masquerading as comedy. We're not doing that on our show. That's why we're winning in the ratings. According to Forbes, okay, our number, our demo number was higher than MSNBC and CNN combined cnn is the worst so do you understand secretariat on the television we're not beating the competition we're beating the entire competition combined (laughs) and i do mean we i don't mean you i mean and me i just mean all of us okay i mean this is a movement of cool people like we're gonna get into some heavy politics today some hard news but it doesn't mean we have to take ourselves seriously and that is helping the world like if you're a part of this today's a day you take a bow yeah i yell and scream oh jimmy got a book jimmy's got a tv show or a billboard but that means you do too you know everybody owns a tiny brick in this little stadium we're building it's like when a team builds a new ballpark and, you know, they can only squeeze the local legislature for so much cash. So they're like, I've got it. We'll sell bricks to the fans. And they did that over at City Field where the Mets play. And that could backfire because if you watch the Mets play, nine times out of ten, you want to throw a brick at somebody. That's true. That is true. Okay, but in this instance, you do all own a spiritual brick in what we have built. And it is gargantuan. And I'm aware on a day like today of just how big and crazy it's gotten. Uh, And I'm proud of all of us, okay, because nothing about what we do is changing other than the fact that you have to sit through a few more uh, sandwich board promotions for books and shows and Fox Nation things and live events that I'm doing and everything in between. To that point. This week with my book on sale, this is our window to make the bestsellers list. I just think it would be funny. Like if you really wanted to help the show, if you want to help me and Jenny and Lincoln and have a laugh, go buy my book. It's foxnewsbooks.com. Get this thing onto the bestseller list because I just want to hear them read it at the New York Times and laugh my ass off. Because everybody else is like, this guy has nine PhDs. He's a surgeon. This is a transgender penguin who's two-spirited and oppressed and wrote a book. And it's, you know, this person identifies as a dog and they went to Yale. And (laughs) Okay, the point is to see little old me up there. Uh, It would be really funny. So if we can pull that off, foxnewsbooks.com. And if you want an autographed book for yourself or a family member, if you want to get it for them as a gift or you want to get it for yourself as a gift, uh, we're doing – it's Jimmy Signed Book. JimmySignedBook.com. Get you an autographed copy. Uh, You can also sign up to be a part of our virtual book launch tomorrow night. Brian Brenberg is moderating it. It'll be me, you, Brenberg, and everybody else who turns out in the chat. Uh, It's a live Zoom. We talk. We do a QA. and a You can ask me about the book. You can make fun of my jackets. The point is, it's our thing. 
this event is being held tomorrow night because I'm going to be doing 30 stand-up dates this spring and summer. Uh, I know there are more than 30 cities in America, which means people who don't get a chance to meet me in person or be a part of one of these crazy Q&As we do at the end of the stand-up shows will have an event tomorrow night. Like, I should be on TV tomorrow night, okay, promoting this book on our channel. Instead, I am doing an intimate moment with people who listen to this show who've always wanted to meet me and might not necessarily have a chance to do so. So that is my me-to-you moment. It is jimmysignedbook.com. Tomorrow night from 6 p.m. to 8 p.m. Eastern, I'll be doing a live chat on video with everybody who buys an autographed copy of the book. That being said, we can now get on with the show. Seriously. Uh, What a good day for comedy, huh? Woo! We've got the White House kind of admitting that the entire Middle East has become a giant cluster of Okay, I mean, there's no other nice way to say it. I'm going to play you some of the sound. But when you look at what's going on here, and I, I said a little bit of this yesterday, guys. The reason peace through strength matters, like say you're a liberal listening to the show because you hate listen to Fox News. Oh, I just hate Fox News. Listen to this idiot with his little comedy ramblings. He just gave some lecture about how they're saving the world. Do you believe this guy, honey? This is the biggest schmuck I've ever met. But let's say that's your motivation. That's why you listen to me and, and you hate Fox and you hate me. And trust me, you're never going to hate me as much as I hate myself. I'm a performing artist. You got to hate yourself to get better at stuff. But no matter who you vote for, okay, you understand this, okay? Peace through strength, it serves a purpose in the world. And the reason we've maintained some semblance of order in a post-World War II world is because we were always mom and dad who snapped the belt. We snapped the belt. Hey, knock it off. You know, when the kids were fighting, somebody was screaming, he grabbed me, broke my toy. He won't let me play the Atari. Hey, knock it off. That's what they'd say. And the kids would look at each other like, this could be a problem. Okay, that's what America's role in the world was. Okay, and when your parents snapped a belt and yelled, back it off, you didn't mouth off to your parents. You shut the up. That's what you did. Okay, we're now in a day and age where America, the mom and dad of the world, snapping the belt, telling people to mouth off, okay, and stop mouthing off and stop fighting with each other and behave. They're now giving us the finger. They're now launching attacks on us and our interests. Three soldiers are dead. Okay, and you pray for those families and you think of them in a moment like this. But it really breaks your heart, not just for their loss, but for how preventable it all was. Okay, there was a time in this country not too long ago, you guys. Okay, for real. And I'll go back as far as Obama. Okay, Obama wasn't the greatest foreign policy guy, if we're going to be honest. I don't see you doing any better in the booty department. But he wasn't great. The Iranian nuclear deal is a disaster. He gave $50 billion in cash assets to the biggest state sponsor of terrorism in the world. That's stupid. Use your common sense. But to his credit, where I would credit him, is he deported more illegal migrants than anybody. Okay, he was nicknamed the deporter-in-chief. And yes, they had all kinds of drone strikes going in the Middle East. Enough so... Okay, we weren't being like openly mocked to our face around the clock. Did people attack us? Yes. Did people humiliate some of our military personnel in the aftermath of the Iranian nuclear deal? Yes. And was Obama a good foreign policy president? No. Okay, but I'll credit him where he had his good days because I'm not here to piss people off. Okay, but understand this wasn't happening in the Trump era. Like we've been attacked over a hundred times. 
under Joe Biden. Okay, we don't have peace through strength. We don't have mom and dad saying, hey, knock it off. Nowadays, mom and dad just forget what the kids' names are and then wander out of the room with no remembrance of what they came in for in the first place. You know, the rapidly rising uh, um, uh, in with, uh, with uh, I don't know. Uh, but it's not just the lack of respect. It's the staggering level of incompetence. Okay, so here is Antony Blinken, okay, speaking yesterday. He's your Secretary of State. Now, remember, Antony Blinken was the guy who famously told us, yeah, we're pulling the troops out of Afghanistan, but don't worry, the Afghan army isn't going to collapse. Remember that one? Then not only did it collapse, but we had the biggest humanitarian disaster from a foreign policy standpoint in the history of this country in terms of what ensued over there. But then what did Blinken say? All right, you know, Putin's got some tanks on the border of Ukraine, but we got these sanctions. Don't worry, he's not going to invade. Sheesh, not the best look. Okay, and then we've got this. Okay, Antony Blinken, and this is Jake Sullivan. Okay, who, of course, is speaking on behalf of Blinken, the State Department, the Pentagon, the whole barnyard jamboree. He's telling us on September 29th, September 29th, this past year, September 29th, the Middle East, the region is quieter today than it has been in two decades. So they're trying on September the 29th, you understand, eight days before the horrific assault in which Hamas parachuted into a dance party in Israel, killed hundreds of people, raped and beheaded women and children, threw them in ovens. Here is Jake Sullivan speaking out on behalf of our government trying to take a victory lap on just how stable the Middle East happens to be. Okay, here it is. This is our White House. This is our administration. This is what we're projecting to the world. This is the level of humiliating walkback that we're subjected to by this incompetence. Here it is, clip three. What we said is we want to depressurize, de-escalate, and ultimately integrate the Middle East region. The war in Yemen is in its 19-month truce. For now, the Iranian attacks against U.S. forces have stopped. Our presence in Iraq is stable. I emphasize for now because all of that can change. And the Middle East region is quieter today than it has been in two decades. That was embarrassing. Middle East quieter today than it has been in two decades. Eight days later, we're in a full-fledged war. Okay, and this is a guy who's supposed to have access to intelligence, meaning he's supposed to know better than to take the type of victory lap he did on the world stage. And in doing so, what is he projecting to the world? They're trying to score political points. Hey, Middle East is fine. You know, the last guy screwed it up. You know, the ones that had Israel signing peace deals with six Arabic nations? No, no, they were the problem. We've got it under control. Here is Anthony Blinken yesterday admitting that the Middle East hasn't been this volatile since 1973, clip two. I think it's very important to note that this is an incredibly volatile time in the Middle East. Um, I would argue that we've not seen a situation as, as dangerous as the one we're facing now across the region since at least 1973, and arguably uh, even, uh, even before that. Uh, and that is the... Uh, environment in which we're operating. And of course, that was triggered by the horrific attacks of October 7th by Hamas against innocent men, women and children. 
We have people in Washington that don't know what they're doing. So we just went from, in a span of a couple of months, ah, it's the quietest it's been in decades, to it's the worst it's ever been in decades. Do you understand they don't have a handle on the situation? You have an administration full of substitute teachers. Everybody can remember being a kid in school. When a sub comes into the classroom, you can read them in five seconds and go, oh, this guy, this guy better wheel out a VCR and put on a movie because he's got no control of this classroom. Okay, we all remember what it was like to have that guy standing at the head of the classroom in front of the blackboard. Okay, and I know we all remember it because we're watching those exact guys lead our country right now. We really are being laughed at and scoffed at throughout the world. They just, they're not respecting our country the way they used to. The critics have spoken. I really appreciate fine art. You do? Yes. And this isn't it. This is Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. Cudlow on Fox Business is now on the go for podcast fans. Get key interviews with the biggest business newsmakers of the day. The Cudlow Podcast will be available on the go after the show every weekday at foxbusinesspodcasts.com or wherever you download your favorite podcasts. Oh, girl, it is Fox Across America with your radio buddy, Jimmy Fallon, reachable to you, the listener, at 888-788-9910. Peace through strength, quickly becoming chaos through teleprompter. We're in a bad spot right now. Okay, Biden spoke outside the White House, not the best audio, but here he is saying he holds Iran responsible. Clip one. I do hold responsible in the sense that they're supplying the weapons to the people who did it. So this is Biden. I do hold Iran responsible in the sense that they're supplying the weapons to the people who did it, which raises the question, if Iran is supplying weapons to the people who do it, why are we giving them money? I think he's got a point. And the point is, these people are idiots. The world sees the incompetence. Forget that they don't respect us in terms of peace through strength. We've been struck over 130 times. I don't want World War III. That's not what I'm asking for. But there was a time where people feared us on a level that this sort of thing wasn't going to happen because if it happened once, it got shot down. What credibility do mom and dad have with the kids if they say, hey, you don't pike down. I'm coming back there. And they have to say it 143 additional times. Hey, you don't come down. I'm coming back there. Hey, you don't come down. I'm coming back there. Hey, you don't come down. I'm coming back there. The point is no one can take you seriously. Okay. We've been struck 143 times. Okay. We're not being respected on the world stage. And one of the reasons why is because they think stupid people are in charge. Don't ever forget that Robert Gates worked under Barack Obama, famously said in his biography, Joe Biden, bless his heart, nice guy, but he's been wrong about every major foreign policy decision of the past four decades. Gates later went on to say, gee, I wish I knew he was going to be president someday because I wouldn't have put that in my book. (laughs) Well, (laughs) 
He did put it in his book, and unfortunately, it would seem that most of the Middle East has read the book. That can't be good. It is not good, and we're getting walked all over in embarrassing fashion. There's an answer to this. We'll share it in the next break. Don't go anywhere. The champ is fired up. I'm all caffeinated. It's a mess on Fox Across America. Oh, girl, it is Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. We're bumping in on Taylor Swift, of all people. Why? Tay-Tay back in the news. Not just because of her romance with Travis Kelsey and his Kansas City Chiefs, which, by the way, I said this on Gutfeld last night. I am pro Taylor Swift and Travis. I love it. I have no problem with it. I mean, first of all, the whole point of making it all the way to the NFL, let's be honest, is so you can, you know, make a lot of money and nail hot chicks. Hubba, hubba. Okay, Taylor Swift, I will say this. As a mediocre-looking white person myself, I am thrilled for the success of the Taylor Swifts and Travis Kelseys of the world because we're all in that same boat of white mediocrity. He's a lousy dad, but he's right. They're obviously a hell of a whole lot more famous than me, but the thing they give to me that I genuinely appreciate is for the first time in five years, they've gotten liberals to admit that some white people are actually okay. Okay, there was a while there where that wasn't a fashionable thing to do. If you were a liberal, even a white liberal, you had to get on TV and be like, um, all white people are bad and they should like check their privilege. And the full cycle of this is that that the entire liberal media has now lined up behind Taylor Swift and Travis Kelsey, two of the most privileged white people who will ever walk the face of this earth. One is a superstar pro athlete, well-deserved at that. It's a phenomenal player. He's certainly gotten there on the merits. And the other is the biggest pop star of this generation, who, again, I said this yesterday, I genuinely appreciate the success of Taylor Swift. She has a creative gravity that guides her in everything she does. This woman is successful beyond all believable bounds, and she's still writing music. You know, at this point, most people check out because they're so rich and so spectacularly out of touch with the drive it took to get them there because they don't need to hold on to the drive anymore. Okay, I do better work now than I did five years ago, because even though I'm on a bigger platform, like I care about how it's received. So I'm killing myself. And I see that in Taylor Swift every day. And I honestly respect it. So I like the idea of these two. I'm happy uh, that it's going well for them. I wish them continued success in their relationship. But I laugh about Taylor Swift and Travis Kelsey because at the same time that they're making all of these Super Bowl headlines, we're starting to get reports that the Biden administration is also desperately courting a Taylor Swift endorsement. Oh, Lordy Lord, he's desperate. And that's everything you need to know. Okay, does Taylor Swift's endorsement carry weight? Yes, it does. The last time a single Instagram post registered 35,000 new voters. One post, 35,000 new voters. But I still find this to be hilarious in the sense that we were told, we were told, we were told that the Biden administration was a return to normalcy. The adults are back in the room. That's what we were told. No, the adults are back in the room. You ain't got to worry about a thing now. Well, here we are three days later and the adults are back in the room. Now they're back on Ticketmaster. And they're trying to get tickets to a Taylor Swift concert to get their approval ratings off the map.
Biden is such a disaster. This is why I don't think Taylor Swift should do it. Will she do it? Oh, absolutely. Okay, she likes the power. She did this in the Tennessee Senate race against Marsha Blackburn, lost. Her side lost. She was a bit of a short-term laughingstock politically, but she was able to keep writing songs, making hits, and she, you know, enjoys more clout and influence now than she's ever had at any point in her career. And she's busted her ass to get it, so I'm not here giving her a hard time. She endorsed Biden in the 2020 election, so it's not like this would be the first time. But in this instance, Biden is now the lowest polling president in the history of our country. And it really does speak, okay, from a proficiency standpoint to a conundrum for Taylor Swift. Because if you are widely regarded as the best pop star on the planet and your tour is genuinely a billion-dollar entity, aligning yourself with something that has 75% of Americans saying the country is headed in the wrong direction really does speak to poor judgment by Taylor Swift if she lines up beside this thing. Okay, her brand is off the charts. Biden is at 33%, meaning she doesn't need Joe Biden. Joe Biden needs her. Desperately. So according to the reports we're reading, okay, it's the New York Times report, Aides are hoping to lock down an endorsement from Taylor Swift sooner rather than later. Sooner rather than later. Okay, and that's a bad sign for Biden. Okay, these celebrity endorsements matter, and you usually do get them in October. You usually do get them in September when we're nearing the finish line. You've got the candidate, you know, at the three-yard line. You're trying to get them over the top for the touchdown, a little tush-push. Here comes Tay-Tay with the endorsement. Right now, they're trying to roll out this endorsement right now. It's January. We're 10 months from Election Day. He's trying to move the needle right now. What does that mean? I'll say it again. Oh, Lordy Lord, he's desperate. Okay, they're throwing a Hail Mary on first down. Not on second down, not on third down, not on fourth down. Not in the fourth quarter as time is running out. They're throwing a Hail Mary right now. And what does that mean? That means everything you've heard about Biden potentially coming off the ticket is in play. Taylor Swift endorses Biden right now, and it doesn't move the polls, and he's still at 33 percent, and he's still losing to Trump in the general. He's still getting annihilated by your favorite politician, Nikki Haley, in the general. Okay, if June comes and Biden's behind Trump by one or two, and he's still behind Haley by 17, they're pulling him off the ticket. At which point there's enough distance between Taylor Swift's endorsement of Biden and whatever Democrats shall come back and endorse next November that they can get away with doing this. This is an attempt to jumpstart the car. They're desperate. Okay, believe me, celebrity endorsements, go look at them, go Google them. They don't come out in January. Why? Why do they not come out in January, you guys? This is significant. Okay, they don't come out in January because until the two political campaigns have held their conventions, the electorate is not engaged. Okay, most of the public right now, yeah, you know, certainly focused on their everyday lives. It's, you know, fourth week of January, which means most people have quit their New Year's diet by now. (laughs) Most people have moved on. There are still people like me that are forced to stick with it. Put that cookie down now. Okay, but it is not a high time for political engagement. Okay, it's not. Okay, you could say Taylor has additional relevance because of the Super Bowl and she's going back on tour in February. All of that is true. 
But this is not about Taylor's relevance. It's about her ability to give Biden some good headlines. And the fact that they're so desperate for good headlines in January, where Joe Biden does not look like he's on track to defeat Trump or Haley, but he is defeating the teleprompter and he is defeating the sign language interpreter every single time he gets out on stage. This man needs a retirement home and a warm bowl of soup. Okay, you understand. Okay, is the world is literally on fire. As he's referring to Donald Trump as the sitting president of the United States, which I got to be honest with you, isn't the truth. Okay. Okay. Biden is technically in charge. I keep forgetting I'm president. You know, it's hard. Okay. But you realize they're rolling out or at least trying to roll out this endorsement now. And that's never the case. They're in a really desperate spot right now. Really desperate. And the more you see this, like we covered this on Fox and Friends this morning. It was me, Kilmeade, and Carly Shimkus. The more you see this type of effort just to align Biden with Taylor Swift because they need the goodwill. You understand, in pop culture, the hip-hop community is the keeper of the cool, the keeper of the cool. Black rappers are the keeper of the cool. Why? They do the coolest stuff in their videos. Okay, that's why people say, like, you know, a lot of black guys like Trump because he's like a rapper. He shows up with a supermodel wife, a private jet, brags about how much money he has. That's pretty much every rap video you've ever watched except Ben Shapiro's. And, yes, Ben Shapiro does have a rap video. What the hell is the world coming to? He's just being silly, and God love him for doing it. It's actually the slowest I've ever heard Ben Shapiro talk, and I'm not giving him a hard time when I say that. Uh, But the point is... Okay, the rap community is the keeper of the cool in pop culture, and the rap community is bailing on Joe Biden. You've heard Ice Cube bail on Joe Biden. You've heard Meek Mill bail on Joe Biden. You heard Snoop Dogg say the other day he's got nothing but love for Trump. Do you have a problem figuring out whether you're for me or Trump and you ain't black? Apparently Snoop Dogg is white now. That's, you know. Everybody's transitioning to everything these days. I did not see Snoop Dogg going white. But according to Biden, we've just crossed another threshold. But you understand, Taylor Swift, and I mean this, if somebody's listening who manages her career, I'm not saying this for the political impact. I don't care. I just don't care how anyone listening votes. It's none of my business. And I want to get back to America where it's none of yours either. We just vote. We prioritize a greater good. I have faith in the overarching intelligence of the American people. Social media makes you think we're all idiots because social media amplifies the biggest idiots. So the squeaky wheel gets the most grease. Social media highlights whatever gets clicks. And you get clicks by taking extremist positions. You get clicks by being crazy, by being weird. Okay, but the vast, 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 vast majority of this country is not holding a cell phone in front of their face and broadcasting their political views to the world like an idiot. The vast majority of this country is just out there trying to get paid and trying to get laid. I love it when you talk dirty. Both of which involve in good decision making. Okay, you got to be smart. You want to make money. You want to invest it wisely. Okay, you got to be smart. You know, you want to attract members of the opposite sex or the same sex if you're so inclined. Okay, I'm not going to be I'm going to be honest anyway. 
every decision you make when it comes to courtship isn't always a good one. Uh, It's a long season. Nobody goes undefeated. But the point is, in a country where we want to worship our God, we want to protect our family, we want to pad our bank account if such a thing is possible when you're looking at record levels of inflation, but you ultimately do want to keep people safe, have a laugh, have a bite to eat, have a good time, get a little something-something, okay? We as a people are capable of understanding what the correct decisions are, okay? Social media is poisoning our discourse. But when you start to hear about something like, well, Taylor Swift could swing this thing, Taylor Swift has no background in politics. She doesn't know what she's talking about half the time. She claimed Marsha Blackburn was Donald Trump in a wig. Okay, Donald Trump is Donald Trump in a wig. Correct, Mundo. I'm being silly. But the point is, okay, Marsha Blackburn prioritizes things that are better for women than anything coming out of the liberal side of the aisle. Okay, a secure border. A secure southern border, something Marsha Blackburn fights for every time you put her in front of a camera. A secure border means the humanitarian crisis that currently has 30 percent of the women who cross into this country illegally being sexually assaulted. All of those sexual assaults, millions of women being sexually assaulted, that ends if Marsha Blackburn has her way. It continues if Taylor's party has their way. The sex trafficking and the child sex trafficking that's become a $2 billion industry at our southern border. That ends if Marsha Blackburn has her way and gets a secure border. It continues. The kids continue to be exploited if the liberals get their way. Do you understand, like, Taylor Swift, from a branding standpoint, it would seem like you're more empathetic to be on the liberal side of the aisle if you're a humanitarian. But when you look at what's going on... Not even close! Not even a little bit close. When you talk about the fentanyl killing Americans in record numbers. Okay, so the truth is Taylor Swift wants to be cool. She wants to be hip, okay? And, yes, she wants to have an impact on our politics that she believes will help us, okay? And if she wanted to do that and she truly cared, then I would say sit down and read about every race, okay, and really read about the policy issues and really read about the differences between the candidates and go endorse all over the map, some Democrat, some Libertarian, couple Republican if you're so inclined, But do it based on a true understanding of policies, because the celebrity endorsements that helped Joe Biden in the 2020 election hurt America. There's no way they can argue otherwise. Seventy five percent of Americans think we're headed in the wrong direction. Okay, we hired an Uber driver. Seventy five percent of the passengers think he's driving the wrong way on the road right now, which means if you hired this guy, you screwed the rest of the country. And you did. And all I'm saying to Taylor Swift, I don't care. It's America. You're going to do whatever the hell you want. But from the standpoint of endorsing Joe Biden, he is historically unpopular because he's historically inept. And if I was managing Taylor Swift's brand, I don't know that I'd want to align it with something that has been as disastrous as what we're watching. Again, if Joe Biden is a good president, okay, he is not chasing a pop star's endorsement in January because he would be sailing to re-election. Tell him like it is. Okay, understand, that's what we were told. We were told the adults are back in the room. Remember this? This is the inauguration. Anybody who has any um, connection to reality about what is going on around them should have watched that and said, the adults are back in the room. It, It seems as though we have a... Uh, a professional adult once again in the White House 
who's just simply doing the work. Really, the, the theme, I would say, is the adults are back. Still, it is a relief to have adults in charge. Now we have adults in the White House. Okay, the adults are back in the room. Um, there is a sense, I think, the world over that the adults have returned. We have an adult in the White House now, and it's glorious. Oh, my goodness gracious. I mean... I'm surrounded by idiots. Never forget that that's where we started. We have an adult back in the room, and it's glorious. The bookend to that montage is please, Taylor Swift, please make a presidential endorsement 10 months before the election because the good news is the adults are back in the room. The bad news is they've filled up the nation's diaper in the worst way. You're listening to the most addictive show on the radio. This is crack, rock cocaine. It isn't glamorous or cool or kid stuff. This is Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. It is Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. Playing a lot of Taylor Swift on the show. Because we're making fun of this whole Biden thing. Woo! Trying to get a Taylor Swift endorsement in January. I don't know what that would be the equivalent of, in theory, because I've never seen it in our politics before. You usually want this stuff when people are paying attention. But the problem they're having in the Biden camp right now is they don't think anybody's going to watch even after the engagement boosts. Like the DNC is in mid-August, late August. But they don't actually, you know, they can't sell this guy. In 2020, he did not go out on the road. If you told people you saw Joe Biden campaigning in the summer of 2020, they made fun of you. They're like, hey, Vinny, this guy says he saw Joe Biden. What was he? Would Let me guess. He was Elvis was driving and Bigfoot. They had like Bigfoot was riding shotgun. <laughs> Seriously, they didn't believe you. If you said you saw he didn't go out. And they used COVID as well. You know, COVID, that's a problem with COVID. He can go out. Everybody went out. Trump did a 1,000 rallies, body to body, tens of thousands of people. And they didn't all die. Just Herman Cain, sadly. God rest his soul. Herman Cain was a funny guy if you ever got to meet him. But the point is, okay, they are playing a prevent defense. And when you're trying to get Taylor Swift and Joe Biden into the same news headline with or without her endorsement, it speaks to a real desperation. As Yogi Berra would say, on the hill up in St. Louis, uh, it gets laid early around here. Does it ever? Live from everywhere USA, it's Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. Yeah, it is. Here we go. Back in action. Big hour of Fox Across America with your radio buddy Jimmy Fallon. Reachable to you, the listener, at 888 788 9910. Wild stuff going on in this country. We're going to discuss it with Battle and Bill Hammer, co host of America's Newsroom, the guy who works the board on election night, right here on the Fox News channel. He sat down with me on my Saturday night TV show last week, did an off the meter segment. We asked Bill Hammer if Elvis and Bruce Springsteen were drowning and you only had one life preserver, who would you save? Hammer correctly stated Elvis Presley. Thank you very much. That was the correct answer. Uh, someone did opine that you should save Springsteen because Elvis is actually still alive. Uh, you know, I have my moments on that one, but I'm going to give 
Hammer full credit for a correct answer. 888-788-9910, the phone number if you disagree uh, or you agree. Everyone is welcome on this show. It has no political ideology it adheres to other than, you know, when we're having these conversations. We're not going to sit here and listen to you bad mouth the United States of America. You guys, we hit the lottery. We live in America. I know your life has bad days. My life certainly has plenty of them. Ten years ago, I didn't even have a bank account, let alone money in the bank. And, you know, things seem to be a little bit better now. You know, we've got a book out today that you can order at foxnewsbooks.com. Hey, girl. But the point is, even if you don't have a book out today, even if you're not on a giant Times Square billboard like me and you didn't just get your first TV show and you have a nationally syndicated talk show, it would sound like I got a lot going on. But the things that make my life worth living, I had 10 years ago. You know, I go home, hang out with my wife and my kid. I like food. I like football. I smoke too many cigars. Okay. And these are all things I was doing 10 years ago, 15 years ago. These were all things I was enjoying because I live in America where you have this incredible thing called freedom. And it's not an accident that we're losing our freedoms at a time when we're more politically divided than we've ever been. Do you understand? People benefit from our political divisions, but those people are not you and me. When you're right, you're right. And you're right. We, I just, again and again and again, man, the Constitution was not drawn up so Republicans can fight Democrats over who controls the country. The Constitution was drawn up so the government doesn't control us. Bingo. So when we get on the air, yeah, you know, a little looser on this show. Some of the other shows are, they're angry, you know, and that's fine. It works. People engage it. They like it. Okay, but on this show, I'm trying to come at it from a different angle because it's just honestly how I feel. Like, I want to have a good time. And I think if most people realize that the whole point of being alive is to have a good time, we might actually find a little more unity and a little more collective progress. The way we're doing it now is awful. And the fact that Tim Scott, as nice of a human being as you're ever going to meet in politics, okay, is now being forced to push back against all the racist attacks on him. Okay, really speaks to how much more awful things are about to get. Okay, Tim Scott did nothing more than run for president, read the writing on the wall, and drop out. But Tim Scott, the guy who created opportunity zones for low-income black Americans, he got Trump to invest $75 billion in black communities. Tim Scott got Donald Trump to write the First Step Prison Reform Act which freed over a quarter of a million nonviolent black drug offenders, people that were doing major stints in prison because they were sentenced over the overzealous guidelines of the 1994 Joe Biden crime bill. Do you have a problem figuring out whether you're for me or Trump and you ain't black? Yeah, you know, Biden put guys in jail for 30 years for smoking weed, eulogized a Klan member fought against integrated school busing in the 70s. Democrats want you to believe he's on the right side of the... Black race. You know, the guy who says black people aren't even capable of getting a voter ID. It's worse than Jim Crow to even ask them for one. I mean, this is Jim Crow on steroids, what they're doing in in Georgia and 40 other states. Okay, so you understand. Okay, the media would have you believe that Tim Scott is the is, you know, a sellout to his race. He's got no self-respect to the way he could just endorse Trump. You know, Trump, the guy who let black people out of jail. (laughs) 
presided over the lowest recorded black unemployment rate in the history of the country, created the opportunity zones, the Trump tax cuts, which made single mothers and low-income Americans the highest accelerants of household wealth in the country for the first time in over 50 years. The bottom of the socioeconomic pole grew at a faster rate than the top. Okay, Trump was, by and large, consequentially the best president we've had for black Americans in the last 30 or 40 years. Okay, obviously you're going to hand credit to the people who led us through the civil rights movement because they were dealing with real oppression. They were dealing with an actually like a physically and legally divided society. Okay, we are more integrated now than we've ever been. And the Democrats have used that integration to try and sell us oppression in the height of all of this integration. The left weaponizes race whenever they're losing an argument. Exactly. I mean, when you really think about it right now, this right now, statistically, by any measure, is the most tolerant and inclusive America there has ever been. People who fought for civil rights, when they had like separate bathrooms, separate lunch counters, separate schools, separate buses, they see what we're doing today and laugh at us. They're like, oh, wait, not enough black people got an Oscars nomination? You guys are protesting Oscars so white because last year, 12 years a slave got 12 nominations. This year, black people only got eight nominations. And you're telling us this is some type of oppression? (laughs) We look like clowns. Oh, Halloween costumes? Wait, you don't like Halloween? You think that's some kind of a pre- <laughs> Stupid. Aunt Jemima pancakes? Somebody told you the pancakes were racist? I want to live in an America where everyone can afford pancakes. Not an America where everybody considers pancakes a safe space because Aunt Jemima was making a black family royalties for 130 years until woke white people showed up and said they were racist pancakes, at which point Aunt Jemima's family lost the royalty checks. That's just how white folks will do you. Same thing with Uncle Ben's rice. Same thing with Mrs. Butterworth. Black families making money got screwed out of those royalty checks in the name of woke progress. Everything woke turns to But the people on the side of the wokeness, they're the racists. Listen to some of these attacks on Tim Scott from the media clip 21. Tim Scott was behind Donald Trump the entire time, (laughs) grinning like a Cheshire cat last night. (laughs) What did you think about the Tim Scott moment on the stage with Trump? I mean, I've called this the, the great emasculation of the Republican Party. I know Tim and I are both practicing Christians, but I don't know if he could pray like that to to the other side. I mean, it was humiliating to watch what Tim Scott did. Tim Scott, he's this big man. What is he so afraid of? What are they so afraid of? Is Donald Trump going to punch him in the nose? You know, if he doesn't suck up to him like that? I mean... That was embarrassing. Really was. Al Sharpton, who, you know, famous for... Stoking a race riot, fraudulently stoking a race riot, a grifter who's ripped people off at every turn, tells you it was humiliating to watch Tim Scott last night. You don't have a clue. Al Sharpton makes money off black people suffering. Okay. 
if someone is in the headlines for like a controversial police interaction or anything in between, he shows up. He's no different than Benjamin Crump. They make a lot of headlines. They make a lot of money and they foment racial division. They tell you the cops are only acting because of the perpetrator's race. The greatest one and the saddest one and the most infuriating one was in Kenosha, Wisconsin in the summer of 2020. Jacob Blake, a black man armed with a knife, sexually assaults the mother of his child. She has an order of protection against him, an order of protection. Black man shows up, sexually assaults a white woman in front of their child who he has abducted, black child. So we got a white woman assaulted. We got a black child kidnapped. Okay, we've got a black perp doing it at knife point. The cops show up, get in a fight with this man. Okay, he winds up getting shot six times. He's not dead. Okay, and I'm never happy that anyone's gotten shot. But the left, Al Sharpton specifically, and the members of the media, ran out and told us the cops only did this because of race. That is a lie. But you understand, they're so consumed with selling racial division that to this day, nobody listening to this, including me, even knows the name of the female victim. We don't have a memorial for the female victim who was raped at knife point. No, we have graffiti murals all over Kenosha for Jacob Blake, the guy who showed up with the knife, sexually assaulted the woman, and abducted the kid. Like, I'm not telling you I'm happy George Floyd is dead, but the idea that George Floyd should be on murals anywhere is some type of a a thing to aspire to. George Floyd was a junkie who once put a knife on a pregnant woman's stomach. Okay, with an arrest sheet long enough to wrap around the world twice, except the Democrats would kill him for the climate change. Okay, but understood, you can't have that much paper. Unless you were an actual climate activist, you're not allowed to pollute anymore. I mean, if you're a climate activist, you're flying around the world in a private jet, you know, passing around the collection plate, then you're good. Money, 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 money. But if you're not making us cash off saying pollution's bad, shut your fat face. That's their motto. But do you understand the Democrats are so desperate to sell racial division that they're highlighting the worst people among us? George Floyd is not a hero. Jacob Blake is not a hero. And when someone goes out and actually commits violent acts as the result of all of this anti-white rhetoric, they don't say a word about him. In Waukesha, Wisconsin, a lunatic who consumed all of this unrest and took the Kyle Rittenhouse verdict— Because the media said, well, Rittenhouse was a white supremacist. He went out and shot a bunch of people who had nothing going on. And, of course, the jury saw the videos and understood otherwise. But a lunatic in Waukesha, Wisconsin, saw the media say, well, this is a whitewashing of white supremacy that Kyle Rittenhouse isn't in jail. It's open season on black America. So what did this unhinged guy do who had been posting on Facebook for months saying it was time to start killing white people? He got in his car, drove to a Christmas parade, and ran over 50 white people. Did you get a word about it? Did you get a word about that part from the Al Sharptons of the world? (laughs) He's not about racial harmony. He's not about equality. He's not about justice. And if he was, he'd be cheering on a guy like Tim Scott who has the balls to work with Donald Trump because he realizes as unpopular as it can be to work for Donald Trump, you have delivered results to your community. The First Step Prison Reform Act, huge win to black America. $75 billion in opportunity zones, huge win for black America. Trump supporting the police, huge win for black America. Tim Scott knows that. 
He knows he's not wrong. Here he is last night on Hannity, characterizing the far left for what it is. Clip 22. The most racist in the country are liberals. The bigotry that comes from the far radical left, it's just normal these days. Why? Because they're trying not just to attack me, but they're trying to make sure that any other minority who will think for themselves and consider the GOP, they want to send a message to every single one of them. Step out of line and we'll attack you too. That level of intimidation doesn't work with me and to every single African-American Hispanic Hispanic, millennial, anybody in the majority population or minority population, if you believe in conservatism, stand up and be counted. Nice round of applause. You'd argue he deserves a bigger one. I hope to God Trump uses somebody like Tim Scott as his running mate. I hope to God if Nikki Haley is your nominee. I know you guys love her so much out there in the audience. Shut up. Okay, but I hope to God they have the presence of mind to utilize somebody like Tim Scott who's telling the truth about this country. Okay, we aren't remotely close to a racist country in the year 2024. Racist countries don't put the people they're oppressing in charge. Okay, all over Congress— You're hearing black elected officials tell you we're racist without ever acknowledging that the only way they could get into office is if majorities voted for them. Okay, and if majorities voted for them, that means the vast majorities are far past race. Ah, you have a good eye, my man. But that's the most frustrating part is Tim Scott is the first black American to be elected to both houses of Congress. He's the first guy to do it. And rather than using his success to sell us oppression... He's using it to sell us the truth. And Democrats can't stand it because the truth isn't on their side in this one. So he is absolutely right when he says, oh, they just come after me because I'm stepping out of line. I dare vote Republican and gravitate towards conservatism. And they're so threatened by the idea. So the only thing they can do is, you know, diminish my intellectual significance because they don't want it catching on. And that's exactly what's happening. Okay, it is January, and they're already being racist towards Tim Scott. Can you imagine where this thing is headed come October and November? My goodness gracious. So y'all need to hide your kids, hide your wife, and hide your husband because they're raping everybody out here. Tackling issues of the day in an easy way. He's all man. He's a big, strong-looking guy. You're listening to Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. There it is, Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. Guy's not going to sit here and call you a racist (laughs) for the next three hours. Oh, the left is. Democrats just call everyone racist so they go along with their stupid ideas. All of these dopey DEI initiatives are designed to create the illusion that the liberals are helping us overcome some type of societal barrier. And that's why you're seeing drawbacks to things like aviation, to things like the military. All we want in the cockpit, all we want on the battlefield are the best people. The military was already the most diverse entity in our country. 
ever in the history of America, there has never been anything more diverse than the military. If anyone who has ever served in the military will tell you, they've met people from every nationality on earth in the United States military. Often the first friend you have from a different race is someone you met in the military. I don't doubt there are tens of thousands of guys listening who've actually had that experience. That's the scam of this moment. Really quick, Dennis is in Salisbury, Vermont. I want to squeeze him in. Dennis! Jimmy, I'm uh, significantly more angry coming out of this last weekend than I was going into it. The smartest White House press secretary of all time (laughs) damned her way into a claim that our warrior heroes are fighting for this administration. And as an Army veteran and a Navy dad, I resent that comment. The, uh, the, The Department of Defense under Biden is funding mandatory DEI training and abortion services for our troops, as if those are of equal value with hardening defenses and increasing lethality. And whatever's left in the DOD's budget for DEI training right now should be paid to those families who uh, have wounded soldiers and, and, and dead soldiers since the start of DEI training. And then the program should end. And God protect our warriors because As far as this administration is concerned, they're otherwise on their own. Listen, man, very good analysis. We thank you for sharing it. Bill Hammer is around the corner. We'll get into it with him next. This next guest initially said if Elvis and Springsteen were drowning, you'd save Springsteen. That's stupid. Use your common sense. (laughs) Turned out to be a joke on all of us. It was a bit of a bait and switch. Uh Joining us now, a man who raised the bar. You talk, it's going to take a lot more than a Fosbury flop to clear this interview bar now. (laughs) Bill Hemmer is back on the show. What's up, brother? Everything. Nice to see you, Jimmy. Congratulations. On the book. The book is called Cancel Culture Dictionary, A to Z Guide to Winning the War on F-U-N. Fun. And you want to know something, Hammer? Okay. The first two print copies I got, two first two copies I got, you and Perino. Come on. Now, you know, you, because of all, you know, you guys co-signing the deed on me on television matters. (laughs) As you know, America's newsroom is the intellectual through line of the network. It's the respected. It's the varsity. And the fact that I'm getting varsity snaps goes a long way towards, you know, building up my street cred within the building. So you got one for that. Dana got one because if she didn't get the first copy, I was going to have a problem. You know, people were coming (laughs) with management. That's what I mean. It's it's a totally different. Well, thank you. I'm honored. I love the note that you wrote in the book. Thank you so much. We'll take Um, it. Look, we gave you reps, but you're in the field taking the reps and you, you. you got to complete some passes. Yeah, and you did. Yeah, Broadway Joe Burrow's right. got to put I on mean, his gold chain. Down and, and out. Now we run the flag, <laughs> going to do the post. Gotta, now the hitch and go. You got to hit Chase. On yes, go. Gotta, well, Chase is going to catch everything. <laughs> He's just going to make it look good. That's not hard. You yeah. know, the question is, how do you overthrow him? <laughs> <laughs> good for you. Woo. Bill Hammer's here. We're riding high. Yes. Uh, fresh off a uh, smash. By the way, can I say something? Give it to me. So um, I saw the clip. With your wife. Oh, Jenny Fela. And I thought it was outstanding. Come on. It was seven great minutes. Uh-huh. It was very natural. Yeah. It was funny. Come on, man. She's a cool Ohio girl. She is. She's got that. And you chose well. Hey, how about it? Look at Jimmy. Doing all right. Well, I will tell you this. Uh, I, 
you know, because this this is a fork from my strategy of denying this woman's self worth. You know, I can't pass on any of this any, any of this praise. I have to be like Jenny. They're thinking about pulling the show after that. Now make dinner. I'm kidding. Jenny's well, I kind of th- I kind of if you want my idea, yeah. I kind of think you're onto something. Yeah, yeah. I I think you got to think about. Uh-huh. Making her a recurring part Making of the show. Making her a segment. Oh, she's great. Yeah, she should be. Yeah. She's she's that good. Like I maybe, have maybe she could be like in the other booth and and you know, she could she could check you. You know what's funny about that? Yeah. yeah. It's like at the end of the show, like, she's like standards and practices. Right. <laughs> <laughs> what, really, Jimmy? It, Leopard it, print? Correct. Because this is the one thing that will come up on the road if I bring it to like a live event. People will be like, "Do your wife? Does your wife uh, help with your clothes?" And she'll grab the mic and be like, "Hell no, I have nothing to do with this." So we might be onto something. Bill Hammer is here. He's done one episode of my show. Yes. He's now reconfiguring the entire lineup. That's mm. who this guy is. I so she, you say leopard print, and she gets to the end of the show. She goes, "Jimmy, you've never mentioned leopard print in your life. <laughs> this wasn't right. It's kind of it. like what was the old show? It right. was. Uh, uh, it is... wasn't the dating game. It was the. Oh, uh, I know. Not Hollywood Squares. What was it? Yeah, not quiz show. No, well, no, well, it was no, the newlyweds. Yeah, the newlywed game. Bam. So listen to me, Hammer. This yes. is what you need to know about my business model. And yes, if I haven't yes, told sir. you this, forgive me. I am the Barry Gordy. I am the Motown of cable news. This is significant, okay? And this matters. This is my programming ethos. Uh-huh. Okay, I was once doing a stand-up gig. I know nobody likes a show-off, but I was doing a stand-up gig in Flint, Michigan. Okay, brace yourself. I don't mean to pistol whip you with my prosperity. I was doing a stand-up gig in Flint. They were paying me in tap water. Okay, I'm kidding. Uh (laughs) Things were going great, as you could say. But uh, it's about 2015, and I was absolutely um, still a cab driver, but getting enough work on the road that I could leave my cab behind two, three shifts a week, which, as you would imagine, is very helpful. So Mm -hmm. you're starting to see some upward mobility in what you do, and I knew that I really wanted to make the jump from that to what this world is now, okay, in some capacity. So during some downtime on my way to Flint, I went to the Motown Museum, where Barry Gordy launched Motown, Hitsville, USA, as you know. And Barry Gordy and Smokey Robinson, who I later drove in a cab, it's another crazy story, but Barry Gordy and Smokey Robinson knew that in this country, you could just simply out-hustle everybody else Mm. and make a comprehensively better product that would build a market through critical mass. So this is what they were doing at Motown. This is amazing. And this speaks to me, and this is where I come into this. So what Barry Gordy and Smokey Robinson realize is a lot of people could sing in 57, okay? But could they sing and dance in choreographed harmony at the same time? Okay, some of them could. But were they doing it in matching satin jackets? Okay, a few of them did. But did they have a custom nine-second intro to every song they put on the charts. No, they didn't, okay? Did they personalize the songs to make them about specific people in specific situations the audience could relate to? They made a sticky product. So every time you heard a Motown song, it stuck to you and you realized it had a depth that the other products didn't have. When somebody was crazy enough to put me on TV here, the first thing I did was go buy loud jackets. Because I was like, it's going to brand you in the mind's eye. And whenever they bring me in to talk about something, I'm going to be a politician and answer the question I want to answer so I can make a joke or maybe even self-deprecate or do something that buys me currency with the viewer so I can then go in and give you some level of analysis. But that's straight Motown. I am Motown in this game. When you met Smokey, did you tell him about Barry? No, because the story is when I met Smokey, I hadn't been to the museum yet. 
That's what's crazy. <laughs> I dropped him off on Central Park West. Uh-huh. Uh, same building as Sting, if people are familiar with the Stings. And uh, if you know CP Dubs, they were, a, they were at 15 CP Dubs yeah, in the beginning. Yep. I don't know if they're still there. but That, that was, was my guess. That but... was an A-Rod building. Uh-huh, that's right. And it's funny because it's, it's a like, Bob Costas building, so, yes, I think. But so many Hollywood power brokers right next to the Trump International. Yeah. <laughs> How right. dare you? Right there. Right, right, across, right across the street. Great guy. Uh, and we, we had a fast talk, but I didn't put the Smokey Robinson bite on him. What I would always yeah. do with people in a cab is just, and this is interesting, but a taxi is social media. Somebody gets in and posts something on your wall that you share with the next passenger. You know, this guy just told me on yes. the way to LaGuardia. Yeah, exactly right. And it's the original yeah. social media. So I had just dealt him into a conversation about the Time Warner Center, which is not far from his building, and about the shops and everything else. Not and, far from Trump and not far go. from 15 And how Center everybody had, had an opinion on shopping there at the time because it was new. Very so, true. So, Very good. So we walked right through the conversation. And at the end, which was just so perfect because I listened to a lot of AM radio, a lot of AM radio still carries music in New York City, and we heard cruising. And he's like, that's my song, baby. Sweet. And I was like, I know. And that would, but that was it. We that's just had a laugh and he so, got out. That's really, Pretty really rad. good. Now, if I saw him now, he would hate me because I would have to jump in and be like, <laughs> you know, I was in Hitsville. <laughs> right. and, uh, I'm on Fox. I have this whole yeah. model. Uh, you got to watch. But, but anyone listening, and if you haven't seen it, show, I know Showtime has it, but it's an on-demand documentary. It's called Hitsville. And they walk you through how they built it. Barry Gordy specifically. It's the greatest American really story good. ever. Because for everybody telling you we're oppressed in this day and age, mm-hmm. 1957, yeah. this dude was working at the Ford Motor Plant, started writing music to the assembly line, and got yeah. a, wrote a hit song for Jackie Wilson. The royalties paid nothing. So he scammed his sister out of 1000 bucks and started Motown. Great stuff. Billionaire. Great stuff. Billionaire. You know what's amazing about that whole story is that you found a way to make a trip to Flint positive. <laughs> I, yeah, that, that and, takes and by skill. Positive, you mean the uh, test results after yeah, I drank right. the water. <laughs> like Correct. it's nuclear. I mean, well, well done, by the way. Oh, man. You know, I miss the taxi drivers in New York because of the way Uber took over. Because yep. a taxi driver in New York always had an opinion about everything. everything. They were never in the dark. Mm-hmm. You name the issue, you name the topic, bam, they come out with an opinion. And I liked the fact, and you would be, you'd be such a good taxi passenger because the people who like the quick back and forth. Mm-hmm. And this is the thing. The old school passengers, as much as you miss the drivers, I've missed the passengers because yeah. the phone started to dilute everybody's attention span. Yeah. People really do. There's still a small population of us left that swing the door open and they're like, so, you know, what do you think of this RFK third party right, thing? Is right. that real? Right. He hasn't even given you an address. Yeah, I agree with You're you. You're like, where are you headed? We can discuss it on the right. I would just add two things to that. You know, <laughs> yeah. the AM radio is still very present for cab drivers. They listen to it and you can, you can get a sense of where they're coming from based on what the show they're listening to. The other thing that I love to do in a taxi cab is find out where you're from. Yeah. Then I, I that, like, you know, they oh, say Bangladesh. Story, I yeah. say Dhaka or Chittagong. Yeah, How things. you know my country? <laughs> I said, which one is it? Dhaka or Chittagong? It's one or the other. And normally in New York, it's eight out of ten Dhaka to Chittagong. Yeah, yeah. They Dhaka. I said, yeah. And then I named the rivers. That's the Brahmaputra, <laughs> the Ganga. And I can never remember the third one. I say to them, what's the third river? I can't remember what the river is. Come on, Hammer, you poser. So. That's all you got is two places in <laughs> Bangladesh. Good. I'm kidding. I'm laughing. The Carmen San Diego of cable news. Yeah. So where in the world is the guy? We don't even know. Well, I will tell you, that's my favorite thing that I miss about it, that I love about what we do, is that there is this constant sense of discovery. And when people got into my cab, two things happened. They thought I was either an undercover comp, because narcs drive cabs from Mm. time to time, or they thought it was cash cab. 
And people would get in. It would be so funny. They'd be like, so, uh, do you have any questions you want to ask us? I was like, yeah, where are you headed? <laughs> they'd be, like, so deflated because they thought I was like Ben Bailey giving yeah, away money. That's that funny? nice. And Ben Bailey, here's some inside baseball. Ben Bailey is yeah. a comic I know from the stand-up scene who was the face of Cash Cab. Uh, he did not like driving in New York City. So much so that when they were filming Cash Cab, he would get out and get into road rage fights with, like, game show contestants really? in the back of the car. How did he keep that job? This ain't, he didn't. This ain't <laughs> for everybody, Hammer. He had when, it for a while. When you drive in New York, you're yeah. playing in the toughest division in sports. Yeah. I give you two questions of substance, one political, one NFL, nice. and you're on your way. Okay. Uh, yeah. in terms Where'd you of, get that jacket, by the way? Uh, it looks good, actually. Well, it's launch day for the book, and what oh, I do is bam. I go right to the NASA arsenal. I dig it. Steve Ducey said to me on Fox, and friends, isn't that stolen valor? I said it is if you're one of those idiots who thinks we actually landed on the moon. I'm kidding, Hammer. I'm kidding. Fox Nation. Yeah, how about it? But here's the story. Um, One political question. Uh, This is what we talked about on Friends. I'm sure you got to it on Newsroom. The Taylor Swift endorsement to me in January, because they're trying to get it in January. Normally, a celebrity endorsement is a tush-push. You do it at the one (laughs) to get over the finish line. Very good. Jalen Hurts is going in. Yeah. Regardless of whether or not they get it, I think it speaks to a unique desperation to want it this bad this early uh maybe uh, i know she's look, super if, relevant if i were it his, matters. i were his campaign i'd want to get everything i could at the mm. moment yeah. i went through all these battleground states about a week ago there's only about seven of them right now jimmy and you know biden's down in a lot of these states and i went to like the best political consultants i know and i said is it true that trump's up in nevada they said oh. yeah right now wow. i said what about arizona is it true these yeah yeah I said Georgia by a lot, North Carolina by more. Yeah, he's really. Do you, you honestly believe those polls where he's leading in Michigan by eight or nine points? I said, yeah, right now. Wow. I said it's within a point in Wisconsin, wow. Pennsylvania. Democrats have the lead, but all these states and they all agree on that. If I were the Biden team, I want to. I'd want to suck up Everything. every. Every news cycle that I can grab and run with it. I'm surprised they haven't reached out to me. You know, I tell you what's interesting. I once saw Harry Styles here at MSG when he was here over the summer. And keep in mind your audience there. You know, you got a lot of 15-year-old girls, okay? But some of them are 21, 25, 28, okay? There's a Mm -hmm. big portion of the audience that they're at MSG. And he's doing, what, 15 nights? Every night he comes out late. Okay, fine. They all know when he's going to come out. They've got it in their phones. They've Googled it. It's it's 8.52 p.m. East Coast time. But what's on the screen there on the billboard is text vote to blah. Then it changes text love to blah. Text boom. Yeah. And they're. There's they believe that Harry Styles registered yeah. 65,000 voters Stop in it. New York in 15 nights. Stop it. They were eligible to vote over the age of 18. It, so what I'm telling you is that, yes, I'd be gunning for T-Swifty's endorsement, too. It's the right one. And we'll see if she, you just, yeah. we'll see if she goes there and you, alienates well, half her audience. Well, that's the problem. And you can't put Biden on stage with her because he might accidentally call her a Taylor ham. <laughs> <laughs> She's going to have an eating disorder. It's not good. I, I agree with the Taylor ham. All right, yeah. Hammer, second substantive question, and you are on your way. Right, Goose. We got a big football game yes, coming up in we two do. weeks. Yeah. The odds makers in Vegas installed the 49ers as a small favorite, two and a half out of the gate, already down to one. A lot of people betting the Chiefs. Niners given a point and a half. I saw it the other way, so it, I guess gone, it depends on who you it's pay got, attention to. It started to. at two and a half Niners, okay. got down to one. So yeah. I saw the latest line I saw with the Niners one. You, if you saw a book with the Chiefs' favorite, it's possible because yeah. the line moved. Yeah. But it opened to two and a half. Uh, this is a really tricky game to me, man. Yeah. 
Uh, do you want my opinion? Yeah, give it to me. Okay, as a Cincinnati fan, mm-hmm. I wanted three of the four teams to implode this past weekend. <laughs> I didn't get my wish. I was all on Detroit. You want give me something to, to cheer for, for crying out loud. Uh, given all that, I'm going with Brock Purdy. You are right. I think it's an amazing story. If he can pull it off, it's going to be really difficult. Yep. I think Patrick Mahomes has shown us yeah. in the past month and a half why he is so tough to he's, beat. He's a, and if Burrow's not on the field, uh, Mahomes has got room to run. <laughs> and he's got a chance to win. Think about this. He's been to more Super Bowls at the age of 28 than Brady has. It's nuts. He's ahead of the Brady. I'll tell curve. you a story, man. When he was in his first Super Bowl against the 49ers in Miami, pre-COVID, on the first snap of the game, he was in the shotgun. Is it Nick Boza or Joey Boza who plays with the 49ers? It's Nick. It's Nick, right? Yeah. He's, he's lined up at left end. Nick Bosa was... In Patrick Mahomes' lap, as fast as that ball was snapped from shotgun now. Uh-huh. And I swear to you, Jimmy, I looked at this stuff very carefully. I think I pretty much know the game. I think Patrick Mahomes was spooked for three quarters, thinking, how am I going to figure this out? Yeah. And then they ran that crazy play to mm-hmm. um, deep Tyrell, pass. Yeah, um, Tyreek Hill. Tyreek Hill, thank you. And it's a design play. Uh-huh. It looks like it's supposed to fall apart. Yeah. I read all about it. About yep. you know they fake that you know the patterns. That's Andy Reid stuff, right boom, there. They stop running, then boom, and then yeah. Mahomes just chucks it downfield as far as he can go, and that guy can run forever. Yep. Um, and that turned the game around. Yep. But my point is, Mahomes figured out a way. Yep. And I saw it live and in person. He beat Jimmy G. He did. And he did it by thinking about how he can make it happen. I was well impressed. He's the real deal, man. A lot of our East Texas listeners, KTBB in Tyler, Texas, that's where he's from. He went to Tyler High School. And my buddy Randall makes him ribs. I got a buddy down in Texas who makes a spicy homemade rib that changed your life. Nice. It's a good rib. You know, I mean, there's yeah. UPS. There's <laughs> yeah, Randall, if you're listening, <laughs> they're getting hungry there's on the set of America's Newsroom. USPS. So I'm going to scare you, but I'm with you on the 49ers pick. This is my analysis, okay? Yes. I saw the Ravens' defense keep the Chiefs in check in that game. Okay, they were down 17 early. Okay, but they stuck around for three quarters. I mean, until they converted to run out the clock, their offense did nothing for three quarters. Against, and, and I do believe the 49ers' defense is faster and more physical than the Ravens. So if their offense has a better showing than Lamar Jackson did, I actually think they'll win the game. I actually like yeah. 49ers. Looks at, they found Lamar's weakness. Yep. And that's passing accuracy throughout the entire yeah. game. Mm-hmm. He can zing a couple, but yep. he's going to let a few fly also. Yep. Is he and, ever. and you know he did not rely on himself nope. to carry that game. All right, this is not an official election call, but Hammer is calling the Super Bowl for the 49ers. I'm going to I'm going to cheer for Brock Purdy. I I'm going to leave it at that. My team beat the Niners in their stadium by almost three touchdowns. <laughs> so how do you think I'm feeling right now, Jimmy? Bill Hammer, the Carmen San Diego of cable news. Great work as always, you my too, man. You too, brother. Thank you. Ciao. It's the number one children's show in the country. He's a lot better at radio than he is being a dad. Oh, snap. It's Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. There it is. Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. Partying on with Battle and Bill Hammer. I can't tell you, man. You know, you've heard me say it on the air to him, uh, but between us, uh, he's long gone. He's off at the Blarney Stone by now. Probably get his mouth around a beer tap if I know Hammer. But uh, the point is, uh, you know, the having the endorsement, having the support of people like him at this con- at this company, um, it, it's just no way 
any of this is possible without guys like that being on board. And when I say guys like that, it's a very limited conversation. Uh, there is an upper echelon of person here at Fox that has an oversized impact on what we do, and rightfully so, because they're just a better breed of people. Uh, you know, I am uh, the furthest thing from a thoroughbred. I'm, you know, <laughs> like uh, if I wasn't here, I would be a donkey performing at a very interesting show in Tijuana. What the hell did you just say? What I said was, thank you, Bill Hammer. <laughs> I appreciate the support. Live from everywhere USA, it's Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. There it is, back in action on a big Tuesday episode of Fox Across America with your radio buddy Jimmy Fallon, making the magic happen at 888-788-9910. An embarrassment of Radio Riches in this hour. Brian Brenberg is on the show. He's the host of The Big Money Show on the Fox Business Network, and he's going to help you budget so you can go out and buy a copy of my brand new book, Cancel Culture Dictionary. It is on sale everywhere today. Oh, girl. Take off the apron. Jenny Fallon, we are going out tonight, girl. Actually, we're not going out because I've got to do the five. And then I've got to do the Ingram Angle. And then I've got to shoot uh, a package for my Saturday night TV show, Fox News Saturday Night with Jimmy Fallon. Jenny, check that. Uh, not going out. Tell George and Wheezy to calm down the choir. <laughs> there is no going out. Well, I'll send you something nice, Jenny. DoorDash or something like that. Uh, 888-788-9910 if you'd like to console Jenny or scold me for not taking her out to dinner on the night of my book release. Uh, but one way or the other, I consider this a win for everybody. Uh, you, uh, the person who listens to the show and has been a driving force behind the growth of not only this show, but my TV show and my stand-up special and my new Fox Nation series, and of course this book that's on sale today, but America as a whole. My whole point in media is I'm trying to be a force multiplier of positive energy. I say this to the point of exhaustion. But the fact that my book is out today and people who don't necessarily agree with me ideologically now have a chance to hear me out on this in print, okay, that's who I want you to buy the book for. You agree with me. You laugh at a lot of what I do. And if that's the case, you will love this book. It'll be like your favorite thing you've ever read because it's ridiculous. I voice the audio book, and it's just a hang. I'm just talking to you and giving you takes on things that went on of major significance in this country that changed everything for the worse. If we're being honest, cancel culture changed things for the worst. I think he's got a point. Okay, and the point is we're all angrier, more divided, and have a hell of a whole lot fatter despite what they show you in the Instagram filters. Okay, the smartphone has made us dumber. It has made us crankier. It has made us lazier and more impulsive. And we now ostracize people from our lives that we've loved forever because they don't vote the same way as us. Okay, it's not a smart thing to do. But what I'm trying to do to get us out of it is, is I'm trying to show you how we're fighting all the wrong battles by policing sources of joy for sources of grievance. That's what cancel culture is. Cancel culture is the elimination of aspects of pop culture. 
okay, the elimination of things we would traditionally consume to get our mind off of politics have now become battlegrounds for politics. An example you've heard me say before on this show, man. When I was young, my white parents yelled at me for having too much ice cream. Now my Ben & Jerry's ice cream yells at me for having white parents. We're doing it wrong, you guys. You know, in the past, you were supposed to hear ice cream. Okay, but now you go pick up a pint of Ben & Jerry's, you read the back, and you're like, gee, I didn't realize I was a oppressor polluting the country, denying women their rights. I just wanted a pint of cookie dough ice cream. I didn't want any position on social values. But that's what cancel culture has done. It has fired comedians. It has fired spokespersons. It has reconfigured the way we evaluate the criteria for a successful film. Do you realize for the Oscars, the new Oscars rules for best film, okay, listen closely to this, okay, in order for a film to be eligible for best picture, okay, it, the story needs to focus on a member of an un, underrepresented community. It needs to have a specific number of people in the cast from underrepresented communities who suffer from disabilities. Okay? The director needs to be someone who is eligible from an underrepresented community. The point I'm trying to make is none of this has anything to do with making a good movie. He knows what he's talking about. It's like when the commercial airlines go, no, we're tired of these white guys with military experience. Too many white guys with military experience in the cockpit. It's about time we spread our wings, brought in people from other communities with no background in landing planes. That's stupid. Use your common sense. Everybody from every ethnicity, should be welcome to fly planes. But we, the passengers, should not care about their race or origin. The only thing we should ever care about is if they can fly the plane. That's it. That's all we should ever focus on. But cancel culture and weaponized censorship, okay, have reconfigured society in that we pursue a lot of symbolic things harder than substantive things in which we place more focus on what you say than what you do. Okay, what you say matters more than what you do. I'll give you an example in music. Okay, Kanye West is banned from the Grammys because he said anti-Semitic things on Twitter. Now, to be clear, I don't condone his remarks because I'm not a professor at Harvard. If I was a professor at Harvard, I'd probably be more likely to condone his remarks. I think he's got a point. The point is they're all anti-Semites. But stick with me for a second. Kanye West is banned from the Grammys for saying the vile things that he said. Fine. Okay, but Chris Brown literally assaulted Rihanna. Assaulted her. And do you know what he did two years later? He won a Grammy. He assaulted her after the Grammys. They went to the Grammys together. They were dating at the time. He assaulted her during an after party. Like, beat her up bad. I don't like to say it. It's disgusting. No place for it. Beat her up bad. Two years later, he was on the same stage winning Grammys again. Now, you could tell me neither guy should be allowed back to the Grammys, but the idea that the violent guy is allowed back but the speech guy isn't speaks to us having a broken compass in this moment.
Okay, a lot of that is attributable to cancel culture because cancel culture is ultimately an uprising against speech. I don't like that joke Dave Chappelle told. I want him canceled. Never mind that when you tell a joke about a marginalized community, you're treating them as equals. Okay, if Dave Chappelle is making fun of transgender people, Okay, he's treating them as an equal. He's saying they're mainstream enough to be the butt of the joke, just like the straight guys and the gay guys and the black guys and the white guys and the Asian guys and everything in between. Comedy is that it. It's comedy. It's not supposed to be held to the same standards of elected officials, of corporate CEOs. Comedy is an escape from all of that. It's not supposed to be corporatized. And guys like Dave Chappelle, who refuse to play the game on the terms of the outrage mob, are the true heroes in this moment. Okay, and remember this. I say this to people all the time. If you watch my stand-up special on Fox Nation, you might be shocked that I'm still employed after some of the subject matter we delve into and some of the jokes I tell. But the truth is I go there because stand-up comedy is not about reading the room. It's about leading the room. This is on my mind. I'm bargaining with you in good faith. You, the consumer, who wants an escape from your corporate environment where you work for 40 hours plus a week, have an hour with me to consume two drinks and hear me cartoon the universe. I don't mean anything by it. My views are not calls to action. My jokes aren't even necessarily my views. They're jokes. They're just jokes. Cancel culture has reconfigured society in a way that we now hold people accountable for jokes, jokes that are completely inspired on a desire to bring people laughter and a distraction from the torments of everyday life. We're fighting the wrong battles, literally fighting them. Jason Aldean sang, try that in a small town. It was an ode to the civic pride, an ode to the civic pride in small southern towns and towns throughout the country where they look after their own. You're not going to go rob a store next door to mine because I'm going to go in there with a shotgun. I'm going to go in there with a bat. I'm not going to let my neighbor get robbed, lose control of our streets, and run a business in an environment where people don't feel safe shopping. Never mind that I pay taxes here. I raise my family here. I want a collective investment in the quality of life here. Ergo, if you try that in a small town, you got a big problem. Bingo. Okay, Jason Aldean sang about stomping violent criminals. They canceled his video because they didn't like him singing about stopping violent criminals. Okay, I want to live in a world where we're less concerned about the guy with the guitar and more concerned about the guy with the gun. That is correct. The singer isn't the problem. The criminal is. Okay, but that's the point where cancel culture has taken the compass and let us askew. Native American mascots, probably my favorite chapter in the book. I interviewed two members of the Blackfeet Indian tribe. You can watch that on Fox Nation. The Washington Redskins logo, okay, which is not, uh, you know, the image you know, okay, was donated by the Blackfeet Indian tribe. They wanted that image on the football helmet. They wanted representation in mainstream America. White people would tell you Redskins is racist and it's about skin color and you can't be a racist. I mean, what are you talking about here? That is a fact check false. The Redskin is the highest honor of warrior one can attain. It's not based on the natural color of their skin. It's based on the fact that everybody in the tribe can be a brave 
but only a few elite warriors get the honor of painting their face red and leading the tribe into battle. The Boston Braves had a football team and a baseball team of the same name. When they moved to Washington, the owner of the team wanted to distinguish the football team from the baseball team, consulted Indian tribes who said, we'd like to donate this to the NFL as a forever gift and be called the Redskins. And the NFL accepted the gift and held on to it for the better part of nearly 50 years until some woke white people were like, that's racist. Everything woke turns to Totally. And they canceled the Redskins mascot. But did they do anything to go back and help Native Americans? Native Americans have the shortest life expectancies of any demographic in the country. Highest rates of heart disease, diabetes, and illiteracy. None of that gets fixed by changing the halftime show. That's true. That is true. But this is where cancel culture is so damaging. When we go out and we cancel a Native American mascot, we accept that as progress. On behalf of a people who could actually use it, we go, oh, we helped out the Native Americans here. I uh, guess we're good to go then. Washington commanders it is. And let's move on. And we never go back to actually address the physical adversity Native Americans are facing. That's the fraud of cancel culture. It's not activism. It's slacktivism. It's designed for a lot of woke white people to feel good about where they spend their money. That's all it is. When you go to a Lululemon, Okay, and they're charging you 150 bucks for yoga pants, which is a lot of money. Although I'll be honest, they make your ass look a lot better. Hubba, hubba. Oh, do they ever. But it's a lot of money for those yoga pants. And Lululemon hangs up a big sign in front of the store that says, In this store, we don't tolerate racism or bigotry or homophobia. And all the woke white people are like, Oh, we should shop here. This is nice. They don't tolerate racism or bigotry. Like they're saying it. As if there's a store across the hallway that's like, we are your racism and bigotry headquarters. <laughs> like, that's not happening. It's a straw man argument. But you put up the sign and it actually creates division because it leads some to believe there is a lot of racism and bigotry and homophobia in the society. And the truth is, that's not true. It's not true. We're the most tolerant and inclusive society the world has ever known. No country has done more to be a greater source of good in the world than us. And no country has worked harder to correct its original sins than we have. We fought a war to end slavery. Like, oh, America, slavery, not good. Okay, but a half a million white people died to end slavery. Okay, oh, America, the Democrats had the Jim Crow South, the Dixiecrats. They didn't want to let black people vote. Okay, we did, but we fought a civil rights movement and overcame the Democrats. Okay, and now the Democrats want you to believe they're the party of the black people. Sell crazy someplace else. We're all stocked up here. But we made that progress. Okay, we are the most tolerant and inclusive society on the planet, but we're going backwards right now. Over 170 colleges have segregated graduations because they want you to believe we're a racist society because they benefit from that division. And the people behind that are the slacktivists over at cancel culture who are tearing down statues to show you that we're still racist. We are so far along on racial integration that we have to tear down statues of dead people so we have modern-day racism to fight over. That's where we find ourselves. And when you buy this book, it's foxnewsbooks.com. 
Go give it to somebody who doesn't agree with me. Go give it to somebody who doesn't agree with you because the book is funny. But more importantly, it is logically flawless. He's a lousy dad, but he's right. A show with substance and style. This is my oldest guy in the boy band look. It's Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. He's a good-looking Italian. It is Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon holding this country together on Book Launch Tuesday. My new book, Cancel Culture Dictionary, an A to Z guide to winning the war on fun, available everywhere today. And if you buy the book, you support your radio buddy, we might be able to sneak onto the bestseller list. Uh, This is the week it has to happen. And I just think it would be funny. Oh, my goodness gracious. All the people that make that list, you know, these are educated folk, high-minded elitists, you know, and then I'm showing up. My literary claim to fame is I memorized the cheat code for Contra. (laughs) Up, down, up, down, A, B, select. If you were playing video games in the 80s, Uh, of course, I beat Mike Tyson's punch out on the old Nintendo. I was a tech mobile wizard with Bo Jackson, but so was everybody else who picked up a control. The point is few men have done more with less than I have, but our little movement Man, we are making some wild progress right now. So if you can help a brother out, foxnewsbooks.com, get a copy of Cancel Culture Dictionary. And if you want a signed copy of the Cancel Culture Dictionary, uh, it is www.jimmysignedbook.com. And we have a virtual book launch tomorrow night, myself and Brian Bremberg. And we're doing this as a means of reaching all the people who won't get a chance to meet me in person this spring. We're going on like a 35-show tour. Okay, but the truth is that's not every market in the country. And I understand a lot of people are dying to meet us and be a part of this. So tomorrow night, rather than doing a bunch of TV hits, I'm canceling my TV hits. Because uh, normally, you know, someone puts out a book here on Fox. You actually see us on the channel to the point that you want to punch us in the face. Uh, but luckily for you, I already pay old women to beat me up, so I don't have to worry about you punching me in the face, too. <laughs> so I am canceling TV hits tomorrow night, and we're doing something called the virtual book launch where I can actually spend time with the thousands of you I won't get to meet on the road. I'll answer your questions. I'll sign your book. Uh, and we'll have a lot of laughs, and I hope you can make it. That's tomorrow night, and if you want to reserve a space, jimmysignedbook.com. In the next break, I want to talk economy. Because we keep getting told, nah, the economy's good. Biden's doing a great job. Come on, don't bullshit me. Okay, if Biden was doing a great job, he wouldn't be pulling in 33%. You know, when was the last time you went to a great restaurant and only 33% thought it had a good chef? The point is one goes hand in hand with the other. And in this point, Biden's too busy sniffing hands to cook us good food in this restaurant. We'll get into it with Brenberg. Because when you think comedy, you think Forbes magazine. I mean, when I was a kid, I wanted Mad, and then I wanted Forbes. That's essentially what you wanted. No, no bigger laugh than Forbes. (laughs) Have you seen these bond yields? Jeez, you just Uh, turn right to the, like, end of the thing, too, for the best ones. But the idea, Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. Got my name wrong. Brian Brenberg's. I was so excited to say say your name that I mangled my own. 
Fox Across America <laughs> with Jimmy Fallon, my man Brian Brenberg on the show. Throwing, throwing him off his game. Throwing me off my game. Brian Brenberg hosting a virtual book launch tomorrow. I could be on TV whoring out my book to the point that everyone wants to punch <laughs> me in the face, but I have canceled TV hits. He'll be doing that the rest of the day. Yeah, the rest of the day. But for two hours, we can actually spend time with you, the American people. It's an intimate setting. You can ask us anything you want. We'll, you know, obviously sign the book. Most people have asked me to get him one from either Dana or Emily. They're like, can I get an autograph? But I mean, not with your name on it. Not with you. But I'll sign it, too, if you guys are so inclined. Brenberg, good to see you. It's going to be kind of crazy. Like, I'm, I'm excited to see how that whole thing unfolds. It's a train wreck, but in the best way. But, you know, like people a fun train wreck. Yeah, it's a good. Like a, it's a, a laughing train wreck. It's a good. Uh, there's an old street joke that uh, if you're watching on Fox Nation, you would appreciate. But my dad told me this when I was young. Okay, Sue, you want to hear it? Because it's it's what just, I'm here it for, man. To what you just invoked, and give me, me the best Forbes joke you got. Forgive me for this. So, <laughs> this is not in my Forbes magazine write up, <laughs> but we were extolling on the virtues of Mark Joyella at Forbes magazine, who gave a very fair and fun profile of Fox News Saturday Night with Jimmy Fallon. It is in this month's Forbes magazine. It's amazing. And we were just reading it, and it's you know to a little gal like me, a big deal. So anyway, you inspired this, and away we go. Forgive me, American people. So two cops driving down the highway, they see an overturned bus. Everyone's dead. Everyone. It's a mess. Smoke still coming up off the road. And they see two monkeys sitting on a fence over on the side of the road. (laughs) So the cops go over to the monkeys like, I don't know, maybe uh, we need some witnesses. Maybe we ask them. The cop says to the monkey, excuse me, uh, were you guys on the bus? And the monkeys shake their head yes. They go, ooh, ooh. And the cop's like, oh, wow, that's, that's something. Okay. He's like, well, can you tell me what they were doing on the bus? And, you know, the monkeys make a drinking motion with a beer can. He's like, they were drinking on the bus? And the monkeys are like, ooh, ooh. And they're like, wow, that's, that's crazy. Shake their hands yes. He's like, what else were they were doing? And the monkeys make a symbol for smoking. And like, they were drinking and smoking dope on the bus, and the monkeys shake their head yes. He's like, is anything else? And the monkeys make the hand signal for having sex. And the cops are like, you mean to tell me they were drinking, smoking dope, and having sex on the bus? And the monkeys shake their head, yes. And he goes, well, what were you doing? And the monkeys make the symbol for steering. (laughs) Ooh, ooh, ooh. (laughs) The monkeys crashed the bus. That's why you don't hire a monkey chauffeur. Street jokes. No, street jokes. That's why you don't. That was the problem with any any which way but loose. In the deleted scenes, Clint Eastwood lets Clyde drive the truck. And they crash. <laughs> That's why they couldn't make a third one. They couldn't. Oh. Ins- they couldn't insure it. Oh. Do you remember that movie, Left Hook Clyde? Oh, the, there was a gr- he drives man. around with a chimp who punches people in the face. <laughs> Clint Eastwood and a chimp. No one believes me. If you haven't seen Any Which Way But Loose, Any Which Way You Can, Clint Eastwood is an actual professional street fighter. Like he fights for money behind bars, and he drives around with a chimp. <laughs> Or is it? I think it's an orangutan. It's an orangutan. Let's get it right. An orangutan. Let's you get, get it right. right. The, the wrangler, an animal, an animal wrangler worked hard on this gig. <laughs> okay, because I'm sure there's a different certification for an orangutan oh, for and a sure. chimp. For sure. And I want the guy who handled the orangutan to get his props. So Clint Eastwood just drives around in like an old Ford pickup truck with an orangutan who punches people in the face. What? You wouldn't watch that? What happened to cinema? What? Yeah, what happened to cinema? What happened to the guys who knew how to write stories like that? <laughs> that's Where is the talent gone? Story writing. There's an orangutan punching people it's in the face. a Shakespearean plot. That's what we're trying to bring back. The whole point of the cancel culture dictionary, the, the, the panel, which will be moderated by Brian Bremberg tomorrow night, Jimmy signed 
signingbook.com. You can go to a virtual book signing with me and Brenberg, Brenberg and I, jimmysignbook.com. You can sign up right now. You'll get an autographed copy of the book, but you have unfettered access to Brenberg and myself to throw any of your hypotheses at us. Any question you have oh, about this the is going to be hypotheses. Anything they want to throw We're going to do hypotheses. Because I'm treating everybody like a cab passenger where you get into a taxi, bring up anything you want. Love it, Brenberg. It's amazing. Pete. Only they're in the front seat with you, yeah. not the back seat. No, no, you're in the front riding shotgun. i got to move my notebook out of the way. I resent you. You know, because cabbies hate a front seat, Pat, hate it. But uh, it's got to happen. And by notebook... <laughs> of course, he doesn't mean it. Yeah, no, nope. like penthouse letters or something. You don't know. Can I tell you a funny story, Brenberg? Yeah. I had a passenger once uh, who was here from another country who didn't understand taxi um, etiquette here and thought it was rude to sit in the back. So I was driving around with a person sitting in the front seat with me. <laughs> and it was like a slightly weird woman from like Luxembourg. <laughs> <laughs> and everybody thought it was like a buddy cop movie, like we were undercover together because there was no one in the back, and we drove around. That's with... just a great thing to do, just if you want to create some strange moments in life yeah. that are funny for you for yourself. Yeah, It's like if you go in the elevator, and when the door shuts, instead of facing the door like everyone else, you just look into the elevator <laughs> and you just look at everybody, just right? Them. You just face them. And, and like, it's so awkward, but you know what you're doing. And, you're taking and it's so game. funny. Cause you're like, what's everyone going to do here? I am. And you know, you, you know that whole thing about when you like do something lefty cause you use the other side of your brain. That's what that is. You're yeah. making people use the other side of their brain. That's the whole point of being alive. Have fun. Be off your access. Do you ever hear that story about like Steve Martin used to say he had like a, a fish or something in his sock once and it made him feel funny. (laughs) I don't doubt it might have been true because the amount of drugs people were doing in the 70s, it might have made sense to them. Because like, but but the point is, that's what we're trying to bring back. We're trying to bring back a level of spontaneity to the world because part of what's ruining us, and I do mean this, is because the world is so on demand now, we've lost the spontaneity that makes life stimulating and fun. Meaning the radio. Yes. The best feeling in the world is hearing a song on the radio you hadn't budgeted for emotionally because it just blindsided you out of nowhere. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. I love Blinded by the Light. I haven't heard it in 100 years. That's right. You know, like something like that happens. And you're like, oh, my God. Yeah, this song. I Man for Man. Are we talking Man for Man or are we talking Springsteen? I give it a Man for Man. But okay. stick with me because it's had better cinematic use in movies. But the problem is then you hear Blinded by the Light, you go download it onto a playlist and play it till you'll never listen to it again for That's 10 right. years. That's right. But the spontaneity of life is eluding us now in an on-demand world. And I'm yes. trying to bring it back. You know, that's such a good point. And comedy is especially good at that. Of course. It only works if you don't know where it's going. This is so you you've got the trap door analogy, That's right? The, I always tell you that about Copenhagen. And I was telling Timmy about I was saying this is Fela's theory in comedy. It's the trap you put somebody over the trap door. And what it when you do that, it for a second it opens up their mind and they're thinking again. Yep. Instead of like just seeking affirmation for the view they have, they're like, "Whoa. Whoa, I hadn't thought of that or that that caught me. For a second I'm open. Mm-hmm. You can put anything in there." Yep. When you're open. That's the hook. And so it, it actually it is true. Like the book is doing something societally that we need. It's all that we're trying to do. And we're trying to give people a permission slip to not care for a little while. Because part of what life yeah. in social media has become is a 24-hour branding exercise. 
So you're not necessarily sharing authentic thoughts. You're sharing thoughts that you want to right. reflect well on right. your brand, right. which is how they can really sway sentiment through the social pressure that comes from being on these apps. Yes. But the truth is your speech isn't supposed to carry that much weight. Like, I, you know, me and you joke a lot about how social media needs a button called Who right. Asked You. Yes. 99% of social media posts would fall under the umbrella of Who Asked 100% You. 100% of mine. Yeah. 100% of mine. <laughs> I don't need to happen. And I think that the fact that we are on this never-ending hamster wheel of oversharing is why we're so agitated. You can't unplug. When did the whole, like, everyone has to be a brand thing? It was social Twitter. media the Twitter, beginning of that? Twitter made it more politically conscious. Like, I'm a brand. Yes, absolutely. It started with MySpace, and MySpace was MySpace. These are the things I like. Yeah. But it was just like decorating your bedroom, your childhood bedroom. Right. That's what Pinterest was. And then Facebook was the ability to go into everyone else's bedroom and see who got fat. You could reconnect with people from high school, see who got ugly. You know, the one that got away, turns out you were glad right. the bait didn't work. <laughs> well, that's like, good. Whoa. whoa, well, anyway, good luck at the circus, honey. Right. Uh, <laughs> be careful out there. It's not easy riding a motorbike through a flaming hoop with a beard, miss. Uh, we wish you the best. But then basically Facebook and Twitter were the convergence of views being shared. Yeah. And when we started to share views, like Facebook started as take a quiz to find out which Backstreet Boy you right, would be. Right. It ended as they're the Backstreet Thems. Yep. You can't assume their pronouns. Take a quiz to find out which Backstreet person you would be. Because sharing views incentivized conflict. Because you yes. quickly learned that a view would get you a reaction from yeah. people, which would get you support from other people. And me, me and you come back to this all the time. What we do on social media doesn't pop as hard because we'll be like, yeah, maybe. But that doesn't <laughs> pop. You need to be like, the enemy is here. <laughs> be like, let's get him. Yeah. <laughs> And it's all it's it's such. I gotta have more get them. I gotta have more get them posts. I can't do it. I don't have it in me, and I because I don't want to. I don't want to lend to that because I know none of the people doing it mean it anyway. The enemy is already within. Right. Let's go get him. Let's get him, man. Let me explain something to you. And you know this, but everyone listening, a good percentage of you know this. Okay, the vast majority of us want to do the same things in life. You know what I'm saying? You have to make money. Maybe want to raise a family, ideally like to feel safe when you go to the store and hopefully afford the goods that they're selling when you get there. That's pretty much life. You want to laugh, you want to watch a movie, you want to root for a ball team, you want to worship your God. That's it. Okay? So all these other things we're fighting over come at the expense of our ability to do those things. That's right. So it's like if you've you got d- finite time. Like you're not you're not going out and having the burger. You're not going to the game. If mm. you're sitting there trying to think of the next on brand mm-hmm. tweet or the next on brand filtered photo oh, yeah. in Instagram, like, oh, do I look like that? I got to uh-huh. look like that. Let's take this shot 17 more times. Yeah, of course. You're like, you spent the entire time at the park standing on the rock do you, trying do- to find the lighting <laughs> for that stupid picture that you filtered anyway. <laughs> Do you realize that in this day and age, the saddest thing I could say is that better than half of the people living right now, if someone were to tell them this was their last living minute, they would post a goodbye selfie. This is your last Uh, living minute. I wouldn't. You want to know why? Because I could never make peace with the caption. I wouldn't want it to be my last (laughs) caption. Like, really? I went with chow? Are you serious? <laughs> That's what you closed on? 
30 years of working as a writer. And you got to spend eternity thinking about peace. it. I went with peace and an emoji. I went- <laughs> really? Why did I do the emoji? Come on, oh, Jimmy. There's a need to edit button. I need an edit button no on that chance. last one. A posthumous not- edit button. No, I'm giving everyone my password. In case I post a goodbye selfie, Jenny, you have the right to reword it in my likeness. <laughs> Uh, I mean, it's stupid, but that's where, you know, like we're fighting the wrong battles. And I do yeah. mean battles. It's like I it, it crushed me that when sports got political, it crushes me when the Oscars get political because the whole hook was those people have the best lives. Yes. And we were we've always conceded that yeah. we buy their yeah. jerseys as right. grown men and and you vicariously live through their exploits. But there's something that bring us all together because right. there's this exalted class of performer that we can kind of rally around and go, isn't this cool? It's like supermodels, celebrities, actors, they're fireworks. Mm. You know, every, you don't know who anyone voted for at the fireworks. Mm. Well, you'd know they're Republican if they're good fireworks. You know what I mean? <laughs> if you see a five-year-old with a mortar, that's <laughs> a Republican. <laughs> but, but the point is we could marvel around this common yes. culture. Yeah. And that I hate when common culture becomes another thing. Like, you think about this. We always talk about the George Bush first pitch of the 2001 World Series. If either president was throwing that first pitch in a post-9-11 moment right now, they'd get booed. We'd actually spend the next day on cable news arguing over whether it was a boo or a cheer or what percentage booed and cheered. And I think it's stupid. Can we can we ever get back to this? So with social media, like, are we doomed? No. I I actually believe it's just, you know, we're not there yet, and I mean this, and I'm not self-absorbed. I'm speaking from a a place of a person who genuinely is invested in this emotionally. I think the growth of what we're doing, you, me, our friends, our shows, this show, the TV show, I think if it can continue to grow, it can force that change on the culture because other shows in TV, as you know, TV is a game of mimicry. Okay, whatever succeeds, mm-hmm. everybody copies. Mm-hmm. Okay, when Alf started eating cats, you got two quick alien spinoffs that tanked. They're like, well, we'll bring in a robot, small wonder, she'll eat cats, but she won't be from a country from a factory. Whatever succeeds, they mimic. And if comedy becomes successful because it's funny again, it might force networks to put funny comedy on instead of activism. The only comedy. show in America that just referenced Alf. Yeah, oh no, today it's us. To we make can't a be stopped. Profound cultural <laughs> Gordon Shumway. This is just amazing. The Gordon connections Sh- here. And I'm not telling you I'm any good. I'm telling you I'm good at caring. Like a lot of these people don't care. And the point is, if we got back to a place where people were cool, meaning celebrities could interact, it's like, we're celebrities. You guys go fight over your politics. That's for the people with the signs and the buttons right. on their hats. Right. I have cocaine in a supermodel <laughs> in a trailer. I don't have time for your buttons. I want celebrities to go be better than us. Them <laughs> pretending they're normal is the most infuriating thing in the world. We're like, dude, you work four days a year for $30 million. You don't owe me this effort. We're, we're okay with it's, that. It's Just keep doing it. Thing for you to say that you're invested right. where I know you're not. And why would you be? Ride in the private jet. Yeah. I envy you for it. It's right <laughs> for me to envy you. David telling this great bit about women setting their expectations real high. He's like, you guys all want these perfect romantic Titanic. Leonardo DiCaprio is what he called them. He goes, well, that guy's a Hollywood supermodel. He doesn't have time for you, ladies. I do. <laughs> <laughs> Set the bar a little lower. (laughs) That's what we all need to do. It's like everyone just chill out. So tomorrow night, 
6 p.m. Eastern. Brian Brenberg moderates. It is JimmySignedBook.com. Premier Live, Premier Collectibles, putting it on the map. Uh, I, I would tell you to bring your A game, but if this interview is any indicator, our D game will do just fine. Oh, the best thing I got is a D game. Yeah, at, well, at a community college, that's an A. So you're in luck. <laughs> Back after this. Don't go anywhere. Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. We'll be right back. They say you never close an hour on a phone call, but this next guest, he knows all the rules of radio, but he breaks them anyway. He is the owner of, you know, one of our favorite affiliates anywhere in the world. Check it in from Reno, Nevada. Jerry Evans is here. Jerry! Hey, if we can't break the rules, who can? Thank you. Very well said. Hey. Quickly, I will commend hey, I you on driving me to the airport after my appearance at the Carson Nugget. A lot of people thought that could have ended bad for both of us. You delivered the package on time and under budget. Thank you. <laughs> hey, I got my 10 copies of your book arriving today, or according to the email. What's the name of it again? <laughs> Cancel Culture Dictionary. Give me your best 30 seconds, Evans. I'm going to end the show. Hey, the Nikki Haley interview yesterday. Mm. Uh, she's not my candidate, but mm. it was a good interview. And when she's pointing out the truth about Trump, she's not attacking Trump. Mm. But here's one thing she said after the South Carolina shooting. She said, this is America's fault. Well, I'm American, and I'm pretty sure I had nothing to do with that shooting in South Carolina at good the point. church when she Fair was Fair point. And I will pass that over to Haley. Uh, Jerry, you nailed it as always. Uh, your undefeated record's best. still intact. Uh, there he goes, Jerry Evans. Get him out of here. Get him out. Still didn't get the Trump support. I'm kidding, Jerry. We love you. Brian Brenberg, take a bow. JimmySignedBook.com. We'll see you tomorrow. The Fox News Rundown, a contrast of perspectives you won't hear anywhere else. Your daily dose of news twice a day. Featuring insight from top newsmakers, reporters, and Fox News contributors. Listen and subscribe now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. Listen to the show ad-free on Fox News Podcast Plus, on Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music with your Prime membership, or subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.